1: Looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
0: Sometimes we say that uh, we're looking for that sweet by and by, but we have to live in the nasty here and now. And some of you might be that. You might be going through some difficult times and we know that there are those who are. And yet at the same time, even in this life, there could be little vignettes, little snapshots of some real blessings. I like to say that being a pastor, at least for me anyway, has been one of the most exciting callings that I think I could have ever had. In fact, I know I could have ever had. I thoroughly enjoy pastoring a church. I thoroughly enjoy having people that I could take to the Lord and hopefully take the Lord to them through God's word. It has been a joyful experience for me. Oh, yes, there have been times of heartache especially when you see people that you love so much who began walking with the Lord and then for whatever reason they kind of walk away from the Lord. They make choices that are not right. Or perhaps at the death of someone who's a saint there's a little bit of sadness there. Or maybe at the death of someone who doesn't know Christ as their Savior and we have to be a part of that. But there's a lot of joy. I get joy when I see someone come to faith alone in Jesus Christ and then soon after that They then decide to follow the Lord in obedience to His word. That excites me. It excites me when I see a Christian man and a Christian woman come together and make a lifelong commitment to live together in holy matrimony. I get excited when I go to the hospital and I see a newborn babe, and sometimes even the the parent will allow me to hold that babe for a moment and be a part of that experience. I'm excited when I see the students, those of you that sometimes are single, and you've gone through your classes for so many years, and then you break through with a graduation and you see the whole world and have an opportunity to make a difference with people, hopefully, that will make a difference as well. So those are exciting times. But then there are sad times in my life. There are sad times when I see people that I love here in our faith family that, not due to sin now, but just through the life experiences. We have a couple today, military, that'll be going back to the mainland. All of you that are here for just a certain amount of time in Hawaii, stationed here, and then have to leave. I know it's hard for you, and when we know you're leaving then, we really know you're leaving, there's that long goodbye And of course, we hope we see each other again here, but we know we'll see you there. That is a a sad time for us. And then there are other times that we go through issues, just life, and that causes us some pain. But I have to tell you that I think all of us know that there are some heart-wrenching times that have so much pain in it because of the tremendous life crisis that it almost breaks us down. One of my favorite missionaries is Hudson Taylor, and nearing the end of his life in the late 1900s. Over 1,500 missionaries were in China. And hundreds of them were being killed through a, a Chinese revolution that was going on. And they tried to keep it from him, but it wasn't, they weren't able to do that. And so it came to a point where he was hearing one missionary family after another missionary family, husbands, wives, children, and even their ministry ch- people, Chinese people actually, that were being slaughtered. That he was a broken man, and yet he walked so close to the Lord. And he said this, he said, Sometimes you come to a point in your life where you can't even pray any longer. But he said this, I can trust. And so I don't know where you are if you're listening to me now that you're at a point that life has been so devastating to you that you feel like you cannot pray any longer. Now I know that um, there are a lot of people that need prayer and we're going to talk about what do we do when someone needs prayer, but sometimes we ourselves need to have prayer. Everybody needs to have prayer. I'm reminded of an old camp song that goes like this. Not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not the preacher nor the deacons, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And maybe today you're standing in the need of prayer yourself. And I would love for you to share that burden with me so that together we can take your burden to the only real burden bearer, which would be the Lord. But I don't want to minimize your pain or your scar today, what you might be carrying But I would like to speak to those that are going through some horrific times. In fact, we would call them historic times. First of all, I want to talk about the fires that are going on in Colorado. And if you'll put it up on the screen, I'd like you to just kind of look up here for just a moment. I don't know if you can see that. It's kind of light and hard to see. But all you're really seeing is nothing but billows of black smoke of the belongings of people that are being completely extinguished by this fire that's here. There's some fire below in houses and, of course, they're going to be gone soon. Show the next slide, if you will. The next slide is going to show you the subdivision in which our missionaries, the Custers, have lived. But we know the Custers because we see their faces. They came out of our church. They came to know Christ on the island through this ministry, received their call, went to to Bible school, got trained, went into the ministry, been there for years and years and years, and yet... They're their houses. And the question could come, and it might have crossed their mind or their loved ones, and maybe some of you. If they've done so much for the Lord, why would the Lord take their house? Isn't it said that if we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things like food, clothing, shelter will be added unto us? They've done all of that, and it's not only not added unto them, it was completely, completely destroyed. Now, some of you might want to know, what was salvaged? Well, they're going there right now as I'm speaking, so I don't know. I doubt anything in that house is really salvageable they did save a few photographs they have most of it on their computer they've lost many mementos special gifts that were given to them on the mission field that were heirlooms of people in foreign countries that are hundreds of years old they are all gone it's all gone All right, so that's their house. Let's take it another slide, all right? This is their house now, which you could see. That's what it basically looks like. Now, they got it not because they took the picture. They weren't allowed to go back. In talking to to, uh, Doug, he said that they kept people from going because of the toxic fumes that were still emanating from the rubble that was there, very similar to what went on in the 9-11 thing at the Trade Center. So I want you to know that's what's happened. That's what their house is. And for just a moment... Can you own that as if that's your sink and that's your wall and that might be a a burned out sofa and that's part of a chimney that you might have had in your home? Can you just take that in for just a moment? Let's take it to the next slide. The next slide, obviously, you can see President Obama as he's walking down the sidewalk. But what is interesting is what that yellow circle is. That is the actual house or was the house of the Custer's to show you that, again, is what's really left now, for a moment now, as you see this house, I want you to know the neighborhood's gone. So let's say, again, you go home from church today, and they won't let you in because your whole neighborhood is on fire, and they won't let you go back. So you see all of this, and the level of our church, and I, I, don't, I can't judge your level spiritually, but my assumption is that you really do love the Lord, and you really do love people. Over and over again, when a new person comes to our church, I send them the letter, and I get this back. A review on our our services from what happens before, during, and after. And the number one thing that they say is this. Your love, your genuine love and aloha for one another is stellar. All right? Well, I know you love. So what goes into your heart goes in a lot of our hearts. You're thinking, hmm, how can we help them? And so do we throw money at them? Do we send clothes to them? What can we really do to really help them? Oh, I know we can pray. But how do we pray? And what kind of prayer should we pray? Well, I know that God is so gracious and he understands right where you are in your own walk with the Lord. And he will take your childlike faith prayer and through the Holy Spirit himself will then pray it back to the Lord properly and all of that. But God does give us a way that we can pray. So these are just a few of the slides so that you'll get a real feel for what's happening there. And just remember that they have many, many months, perhaps years before their life will have some bit of stability back again, even though they've lost everything. So think about by the time insurance people get there, how much money they're going to get, getting a contractor, what do they build, do they not build, what is it going to look like, meeting all of that, and at the same time, the care of the missionaries that are under the customers for whom they're responsible to lead. So they have all of that going on, and then a side of that would be family. Where will they be at Christmas? Where will they be at Thanksgiving, and how will they celebrate I don't want to paint that black picture just of fires. It is happening in 18 states. But those of you who have been following, there's devastating floods that have occurred in Florida and Georgia. You've heard about how much rain would come down and the entire subdivisions are underwater there. There's severe storm damage in the Northeast. Every year for decades, Thomas Road Baptist Church, which was Jerry Falwell's church, which is now pastored by his son, had the hugest 4th of July event for God bless America but as well as giving the gospel and they would rent some big facility like a stadium everything was planned to happen today was the day for their major outreach the biggest outreach of the year for them I got a note back from them and they told me that it was all canceled because of the storms there now you go a little bit further and you could talk about the record-breaking heat you could open up any newspaper and you can hear about the heat but you don't really feel the heat until you're in the heat and to know what's going on now watch this you take the heat that's generally moderated by air conditioning and fans, and you put it up against most of the Northeast that's without power. So now you have this devastating, historic, record-breaking heat and nothing to alleviate that heat. That's what's going on. Now, some of you might be saying, what is God doing? Well, I don't have the answer. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know God's mind totally. But I do know what God has to say about when others need prayer. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. Now, I talked about some of the things happening in the United States, but now I could put a little asterisk after that. And that's just the United States. Everything I mentioned is happening in some measure, in some way, some other places in the world. So this entire world is shaking. All of creation is groaning for that glorious day that most of them don't even know about and obviously won't ever experience. So I want to talk a little bit about that today. I want to give you what we might call crisis categories. And I'd like you to maybe take some notes Because I want you to look at these categories and perhaps in your mind, allow the Holy Spirit to bring back people into your world that might be going through one of these crisis categories. Because I want to set you up because I know you want to pray for people. And our church is a wonderful church and we do believe in prayer. But I want you to really own the needs of others. And we're going to open up this whole thing of prayer. In a big way over the next few weeks, something that I think I've never done before. Truths that I'm learning even now as I've gone deeper into some understanding about what intercession means. Even, but I want to share with you so that you could go into in prayer to another level. Let me go over some of the categories for you now, because it's not just fire and floods and storms and heat. And these are nine. These are maybe not the only nine categories, but these are nine that I picked. And I think in some measure you can put some catastrophe in this if it's not mentioned somewhere. First of all, I did mention fires. Let me talk a little bit more about that because when I opened up the Internet and I went to the uh, U.S. Forest Service map, they had fires all over the United States, including Alaska and Hawaii, and they talked about many, many more fires. There's a lot more people that lost homes uh, than just what we heard about in the uh, Mountain Shadow uh, subdivision and around the area. So here's what I found. We're just going to evaluate level 4 fires. That's how large and intensive they are. New fires. There are 182 new fires. And by the way, let me pause. The statistics I'm giving to you right now, are statistics that are dated June 30th, 2012. When was June 30th? Yesterday. That's how current these are. New large fires are 9. Large fires contained 6. Uncontained large fires. Now remember new ones are are added to the ones that are already there. Uncontained large fires are 50 of them. That means uncontained. The one that's gone through mountain shadow that's been burning for weeks now is not yet 50% contained. And the wind is supposed to pick up later today and tomorrow. Then we had floods, the second category. We've had a flood here. Those of you might have experienced your own flood and the devastation of when a flood comes in and the damage that it can do and how difficult that is. Floods even like when the Mississippi overflowed its banks. Famine. Often we see that that is involved. Finances. Recession. Unemployment. It wouldn't surprise me if you're not 18 inches away from someone that has lost a job or could lose a job and their world is going to be so different until they can get back on economic stability again. Then you have fitness. There are people that have just found out this week that they have cancer, in uncontrollable or incurable disease, something that's going on in their bodies. And they probably don't have the enough insurance for that. They're struggling with how do they do that and then how to carry on. I talked to someone who had a home. That home now is led by a breadwinner, so to speak. That breadwinner has cancer, so they don't even know how they're going to make payments to keep that house. So where are they going to go next? That's horrific for them. Next would be family. There are people today that are waking up and knowing that their father or husband didn't come home last night and will not come home again. There's that sense of abandonment by family. And maybe some of you are experiencing that an adult on an adult, not just as a child growing up or a wife or a husband. Then you have friends, the feeling of loneliness, rejection. You have no friends or the deep friends you've had because you've had such a culture of friends. Now you are ripped from that culture because of employment or military or something else. And now you have that real loss. where You go to bed at night and you put your head on the pillow and the tear splashes the covers of that knowing that there's nobody you could talk to about your deepest fears, anxieties, the things that you're going through. You do not have that kind of a friend, earthly friend, so you feel so lonely. Then you have the foes. I would like sometimes only to carry your burden with you to the Lord, but how many of you went through what we might call violence? Some of you had a friend who was murdered, rape, something that was so devastating to you physically that it has traumatized you to today. day whether it was even child abuse growing up. And then the last one is one that we don't talk about very much, but it's extremely real, and maybe it's because uh, those that are in ministry are closer to this crisis, but when the crisis occurs, it doesn't stay in the Christian leadership community. It goes everywhere, and that's what I'm going to call the faith crisis. Now, that's not all I'm going to preach on, just a little point on the faith crisis. Just yesterday, I received information from the mainland. I'm going to read what I received on a faith crisis. Leaving out the names. On May 31st, Pastor So-and-so resigned from Named Church in La Mirada, California, after six years of faithful service. And here's what that pastor wrote. For the last year or so, I've been dealing with a slowly expanding crisis of faith. The elders at Named Church, we are also, my dear friends, have faithfully walked with me along this entire process. Together we've come to the conclusion that it is best for me to resign my position as elder pastor at said church. We do not know what the future holds, for this is the first time in my adult life I'll be looking for a job outside the church. Now, when he goes through that, my heart goes out, what is that faith crisis? Because it's going to somehow affect your intimacy with the Lord. And if it affects that, it could affect how you're going to relate to God's word and the choices that you'll make, the principles by which you're going to live. And then you have all that going on. And I'm thinking, where is Satan in this mix? And when you begin to crumble, could the family members crumble? Because I think he's married. And now it goes to the church and into the community. Then others that are sitting back and they're wondering, if a pastor has a faith crisis, where is my life going to go? And so I reluctantly even shared this with you on a faith crisis because some of you might say, man, there's no hope for me. Can we pray for such a one like that? Absolutely. But if we are to pray for them, the next question is, is how do we pray for them? Well, before I get into even answering that in its uh, thoroughness, I need to give you a couple issues that need to be resolved first because if you don't get these resolved, I don't think we'll go to the next level. So here's the first one. It's a question. Obviously, when others need prayer, what do I do? How do I do this? Here's your question. Do we want to learn how to pray the way the Lord wants us to pray? You have to almost go back to the very foundation. Do we want to learn how to pray the way God wants me to pray? Or do we want to bring to our prayer time all the things we thought we knew, what we heard others pray, little, you know, uh, cliches. Do we want to kind of, we could talk to God. He's so loving. He doesn't really care. It's just so I talk to him. Or do we really want to say, Lord, I want to learn. How do you want me to communicate? We might even use this term. This is my, what is your language of prayer you want me to speak in? That's huge. So I can really connect to Him. Now, I don't want you to think that you mean for all these years, if I didn't know this, God didn't listen to me, He couldn't hear me. I'm sure God is much bigger than all of that. But on the other hand, would you want your kids to go through life socially crippled and you knew how to do something better? They'll still survive. They won't be, you know, in jail and all of that. But wouldn't you want them to really thrive? Well, God says, I want you to thrive in your communication with me. And so he has outlined in his book how to do that. So, do you want to learn that? You have to answer that question first, because if if you don't say, yes, I either want to learn or I want to have reconfirm what I thought I knew to make it was right, then the rest of this is just sitting back and kind of listening to me rattle for a while, and it won't have the impact on you. Here's the second issue that you have to deal with. Let's say you answer the first one, yes, I want to learn to pray the way God wants me to pray. The second question would be, will we use Scripture as our mandate, message, and model for prayer? Our mandate, God says to pray. Will we pray with that same intensity? We could even use the word motivation, etc. When we pray, will we pray with the message of the way God wants us to pray? So in other words, we're going to look at the prayers in Scripture and not just give it a lick and a promise, three points in a poem. So what is the message of prayer that God is speaking to us And let me give you a parenthesis. My entire life, probably, I could give to this topic of prayer and wouldn't plummet the depths of what God would want us to learn about prayer because prayer is so at the center core of our relationship with God and even sound theology that it then, like a tentacle, goes everywhere throughout Scripture and everywhere with God that really broadens it makes Him technicolor, surround sound in our life. So I could never give you all the message, but I hope to give you more than what you have now. And then the last would be, what's a model for prayer? Because the Lord just doesn't say pray and then doesn't show us how to do that. He shows us how to do that. He gives models of others in Scripture. If you are having difficulty understanding that, let me use this as an illustration, a biblical illustration. In Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians alone, Paul prays for others. So they had needs. He prayed for others. Now, the Lord didn't say, that's how we're to pray. But here's what he did do. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he permitted to have Paul write how he was praying for others to be put into Scripture, Holy Writ, so we would read it today. And the Lord never, through any other Scripture, canceled how Paul prayed or for what he prayed. So in in essence then, it becomes a model of how to pray for others. So we're going to look at that, probably not today, but to let you know that there are models that we can look at and gain tremendous insight from it. So the topic of when others need prayer... I believe is simple I don't believe God wants prayer to be complicated because he wants us to have a communication with him but I don't believe it's simplistic I don't think it's just I talk God listens I tell demand God and he does what I say I I don't believe it's at all like that so it's simple but not that simplistic so as I begin this topic of when others need prayer I began to look at a lot of things. And the more I opened it up, it was like a Cornish hen. As you open it up and you take it apart, you can't even get it back together again. It just gets bigger and it just seems to just kind of go. One of the questions I asked myself is, alright, if I wanted to pray for someone, what do I pray for them? Now, watch this, watch this. Not following a model that Paul prayed, which is good to do. But I wanted to find a verse, what God told me to pray. When he actually said, he's telling me, this is what you're to pray for for another person. What would it be like? I went through Scripture, and I I, not just what he did, what Jesus did, and all that, just where were the commands? I I don't know if I like that word totally, but when he's telling us to pray, what did he tell me to pray for for others? What was the command? I think there are three. I won't have time to get to that today, so I hope you're back next week. I'm not trying to lure you and manipulate you. I'm just saying, you you want to go home today, don't you? All right. The second issue is this. While it doesn't have a lot of verses on telling you, this is how you are, or this is for what you are to pray for another person, as a command might be. What I have found in Scripture that there are a lot of principles about prayer, where that it's not just this is what you are to pray for other people, but this is how you are to pray for other people. So there's basically three things we are told to pray for them, and a whole lot of how we're to pray just in general. Now, when I say that, some of you like to live in a box, and you're thinking, "Oh, these are the only three things I can pray for another person. And the rest of it, no need to pray." I won't go there. I don't think that's an exegetical solution, all right? But just to be clear, there's the three, and I'll give you those later. But there's a lot of the principles in how you can pray. And you know what else I love? The Lord has given us so many Old and New Testament examples of people praying. Now, this series is not going to be an exhaustive series purely on how to pray, I, I, am, I, I want it to be on when others need prayer, how do you pray for another person? And so I'm, I'm trying not to make it too formalistic, but at the same time I want to give you some pegs that you can hang on to. So one of the ways I thought I could do that would be perhaps by using a question and answer format. I don't often like to do that because you could reword questions and it would change the answer. And when do you quit answering questions? And sometimes some questions are kind of overlapping and they would be answered differently. But for you to have some place to begin, I'm going to do a question and answer fashion, hoping that it will help you. And I'm really um, kind of out of my comfort zone because I prefer to teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, sometimes word by word. I believe it's healthy to do that because um, it's good to have the entire meal and you do this, 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 and this. And this way we prevent problems. Other times though when we are really in need of special knowledge or we're struggling with something I don't go to my medicine cabinet when I'm ill and open my medicine cabinet and I start with these pills and then I eat the next pill and the next pill and I go through all the shelves until I'm done all in order I don't do that when I have a headache I grab that which is going to help my headache it will be biblical I I pray with all my heart, I've used every sound hermeneutical principle to make sure that you will have it as accurate as possible. I want to let you know, those who are listening on tape or radio, internet, whatever, write me, email me with thoughts, questions, input, any ideas. I don't know where this is all going to go later on. I don't want to to over-dramatize this. But I do want it to be as thorough as it can be with the time that we have. Are you okay? You ready to go? All right, let's go with question number one. Question number one is, what is intercessory prayer? Now that word intercessory or intercession or intercede is probably a word that you rarely have used. Probably not used at all. But in prayer, that is a word that is found in Scripture regarding interceding. And so I want to talk about intercessory prayer. But for those of you that are learning about prayer, there are a lot of other terms for prayer. Some prayer would be petitions. Other times in scripture it's the word requests. Other times it's supplications. Sometimes it's even said prayers could be a way of thanksgiving. And you could probably throw in a praise dynamic in there that would also be a part of prayer. So there's different words. I personally believe that there are different words and each word takes on a little different nuance of meaning. So that when you have all of them put together, you're going to get a better composite picture of what prayer is. But I do believe each one can stand alone because there's great teaching under each kind, whether it's supplication, intercession, prayers, thanksgiving, etc. I'm choosing to use intercession. And the reason I want to spend our time this week and next week and maybe the week after that on intercession is because first, we don't know a lot about intercession. And when we study intercession, we're going to find that intercession is probably the closest of all the words used about prayer to describe praying